Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. What his power is. First uh, John chapter 5, verse 1 through 3 says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So this is new birth, and we've been talking about that. Uh, this, is a, a, this is not a new physical birth. This is a new spiritual birth that happens inside of every believer. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Christ is the chosen one of God, the Son of God, equal with the Father. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who gave birth or begot uh, also loves him who is begotten. In other words, whoever loves God also loves God's children. Whoever loves God also loves the, the, the sons and daughters of God, that is us. And then he says, and this, that's something we've been talking about throughout all of chapter four, that our love for others, especially those of the family of God, um, is a sign of our love for God, and it's actually a sign of our being born of God. That to love God, you cannot love him in a vacuum. You will always love him in connection with how you love those around you. All the married people just say amen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah, so you, you cannot divorce how you treat others with what you believe to be true about God. And John is saying that whoever loves the, the, the father, the God, the God above us will also love the people that he has begotten or the people he has fathered below him. So, and he says, this is how we know that we love the children of God when we love God. So this, this thing is, 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 is recipro- it, it goes between us and each other and us and God. And we get confirmation on both sides. We have confirmation that we are actually loving people when we are loving God is what he says. And so how do we know that we're loving God? We love God when, when we love God, we keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome. That word burdensome means heavy. His commandments are not heavy. Uh, if you turn to Matthew chapter 11, there's another passage that basically Jesus emphasizes, reemphasizes this, this very point. 11 uh, verse 28 Jesus stands up and says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden or burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Uh, This is is Jesus talking. And we can can take his yoke, and I'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) What's a yoke? Um, He's not talking about eggs here. This is a farming community. Take my yoke upon you, he says, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There's that word again. And then verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I want to talk to you today just just quickly about the lightness uh, of living with Jesus. Um, Last week, I um, had a slightly different sermon. Um, Those of you that were with us... You know, it was, it was different. It was the gospel according to Satan. And uh, for the first time ever, I actually just took um, passages from the Satanic Bible uh, written by uh, Anton um, LaVey. 
and uh, yeah, and, and had it up here on the screen, um, not to preach from the Satanic Bible, but rather to uncover the lies of Satan. And it was interesting, I, I, I told Roe afterward, I said, you know, it's, it's, it was funny because at, at some point I was preaching and everybody's really quiet. And I said, I said, am I just like, what's like, what's going on? This, we're not Presbyterians. And, and so I don't know, everybody was just so quiet. I didn't know if I was in the wrong church. And uh, I, I, I said, I said, you know, like nobody was knocking over cups or nothing. I mean, I was like, wow, something's really happening. Revival is happening. And, uh, but everybody was just really quiet. And I, at some point I said, what, like, what's going on? Am, am I just preaching too close to home? And some people were like, yes, yes, you are preaching too, like it's getting too uncomfortable. And, and, I, and I told Ro, I said, it was, it's kind of interesting for me as, as a pastor and somebody that's been doing this for a while to read from the Satanic Bible and for that to be too close to our people's homes. I thought it was so interesting. And yet I can't blame you all because honestly, that is our culture. It is just this, uh, Satanism or the satanic um, reasoning and logic, Lucifer logic, has so penetrated um, all like, of our culture that for me as an American pastor, the mo- some of the most, most um, harshest or like, sharpest or stepping on people's toes things I can say is, hey, this is Satan logic and is totally wrong. And, and it, because it's found in our pop culture, it's found in our music, it's found in our books, it's even found in some of our sermons. This, this, some, some of these ideas are they're, they're woven and interwoven between uh, all of our family celebrations, almost every funeral you go to, nearly every wedding you're a part of. It's, 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 it's creeped into almost every bit of our culture. And I told Ro, it's kind of like, those of you that don't know, Ro is my wife. She's not just uh, this random person. She's sitting over there, the... The, the beautiful blonde right there. That's, 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 that's the one. And, um, and, and, and so I told her, I said, I, I think it's kind of like if I were like an Indian pastor, right? And, and, and I were to talk about um, how, how uh, uh, Hinduism is, is false. You know, I, I could get up here in America and preach on Hinduism and you'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. Uh, but if I were to go over there and say, hey guys, look, here's some, here's some Hinduistic principles. Here's some some pillars, if you will, seven pillars. Let's talk about these seven pillars. And I were to break them down, they, they would, they, it would be very close to home because it's a, it's a lie that's permeated every area of their culture, every wedding, every birthday, every, every great thing that their grandma used to say. Like, it's so interesting how it's just permeated and, and, it's, and, 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 and it will hit close to home. So if last week's sermon about Satan hit close to home, you are not alone. It generated so many wonderful, I, I really, truly wonderful conversations where we say, what do we really believe? What does the word of God actually say about that? And how can we distinguish between our culture and Christianity? Because those are two different things. Even in Texas, yes, even in the Lord's favorite state, it's, it's, it's two different things. <laughs> I just had to keep saying it for our California people. I just had to keep putting it in there. Um, you know, it's, just, it's two different things. We don't just want to be Texans or Californians or Americans. That, that's, that's a big thing. We don't just want to be patriots. We want to be believers in Jesus because whoever believes in Jesus is what First John says. Whoever believes in Jesus, not in the Constitution, whoever believes in Jesus 
that they have eternal life. They are born of God. They have the love of God inside of them. And they then love others. And so that's what we want. But at the same time, there's this satanic um, influence. And so what I found was funny, and those of you that were with me uh, last week here in the room or watching online, you can probably attest to this. But do you remember as I would read passages from the satanic Bible, do you remember how that felt? Do you remember how it was just kind of heavy? Or even when I didn't say, like, I started off just by saying this is a different organization. Let me read some quotes from them. But even just reading, even though you know it's a lie, it feels there's such a different feel to it. And even as the guys here share their testimonies, there's such a different feel to their life before Christ. There's such a different, and it, sometimes you can't even put your finger on it, but it just feels heavy. It feels conflicted, it feels anxious and uncertain, and it feels unhealthy and unwell and burdensome, maybe, is a good word. Like this chain around their shoulders that they have carried and I have carried and you all have carried as we've believed the lies of Satan. It's created this weight. And what's interesting is last week, we, I got to see that firsthand from the stage. I would read a quote from Satan and you just feel that. And then I would read a quote from Jesus, like Luke chapter 9, where Jesus said, whoever wants to gain his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And you read Jesus' words and there's such peace and there's such rest and there's such hmm but what's funny about it and what's funny for me anyway is that as a preacher it's like actually satan's words are a lot nicer <laughs> than jesus's words because satan in his bible <clears throat> those of you that weren't with us like it is not an instruction manual for how to rape and pillage it's actually the first quote i said was that uh, say uh, anton says i remove all conventions that do not lead to my earthly success and happiness that sounds kind of like Satan's on your team. It sounds kind of like, man, yeah, he wants me to live my best life now. Maybe he'll write a book about that. But, you know, it's like, it's like maybe I just want, sorry, that's not, I, it just came to my mind. It's just totally wrong. I'm not saying that that book is wrong. I'm just saying that that, that message is the message that Satan is putting out there. And uh, God also wants you to have your best life, but it's just a completely different way of getting there. And so Satan says the way to get there is to remove everything. Get rid of everything that hinders what you think is your best life. And yet Jesus says, yes, I want your best life. But Jesus says it's a completely different way of getting there. The way you get there is you lose your life. And so when you read the words of Jesus, it's actually pretty harsh and pretty hard to hear. I need to lose my life. I need to give up my preferences. I need to deny myself. Like, how is that going to lead to my best life? And so, and so humanity has a hard time with this. So you read Jesus' words, it's actually heavier, if you will. But it doesn't feel heavy. And as we read Jesus' words, the proof is in, is in the results. The proof is in the pudding. The proof is that when you read Jesus' words, how do you feel? Right? And then when you read Satan's words, how do you feel? Satan's words seem to promise you the world. He wants you to remove everything that doesn't make you happy, but you don't feel happy. You don't. He wants you to be at peace and be at rest, but you don't ever feel at rest and at peace. You're on this constant merry-go-round. And so as we talk about uh, uh, coming to know Jesus, we have to admit that Jesus' words, while more difficult, produce something that is very light. And Jesus says, come to me all who 
are weary and heavy burdened. What are they heavy burdened with? Well, the lies of the enemy, whether that's coming through religion, whether that's coming through patriotism, whether that's coming through whatever version the lies would come through, the lies of the enemy produce a weight on your shoulders. And Jesus... And this, and, and this is why I'm not making fun of the book, uh, Your Best Life Now, because really, truly, Jesus has in mind your best possible life. It's just not the way that you think you would get there. It's not the way that you thought. It's not according to your wisdom. Jesus says, actually, come to me. And, and according to 1 John, the way to get that is to obey his commandments. That when we obey his commandments, his commandments are not heavy but they're 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 hard but they're not heavy they're they'll they'll cost you everything but they're free (laughs) it'll it'll cost you your your life but it doesn't cost money and so and 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 so what i want to do is i want us to talk about the lightness of living with jesus jesus stands up in a crowd and he says come to me all who are weary and what's interesting is the context of Matthew 11. At the beginning of Matthew 11, uh, Matthew talks about a guy that we've all heard about, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist uh, was a forerunner for Jesus. He was Jesus's hype man. <laughs> he was the one who would prepare the way for Jesus. And John the Baptist heard from God uh, from the time that he was in his mother's womb, actually. He, he leapt when he heard the voice of, Je- uh, of, of, of Mary, the mother of Jesus. So John had a special relationship both in family, he was Jesus's cousin, but also in spirit, he was, he was called by God to be a messenger to proclaim who Jesus Jesus was. So John had special revelation that nobody else had. And John was doing great. John baptized Jesus. So if you're the one who leads Jesus to Jesus, you're pretty good. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Uh, if you like, like how in, in, in what name do you dunk him? I don't know how that works at that point. <laughs> like I know in the name of the yeah, okay, just you. Uh, here we go. Like, and John recognized the awkwardness of that. John said, no, no, I shouldn't be baptizing. Nobody should be baptizing you. Like, you should be baptizing me, is what John said. And Jesus said, no, we're doing this to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, all the prophecies of the Old Testament, John was the one that God said, I want, I want that guy in the water with my son. That's pretty legit. And Jesus later on said, there's never been a prophet as great as John. You're talking Elijah, you're talking Moses, parting Red Seas and stuff. Like, so John, even in heaven's own perspective, is the MVP. He's the GOAT of the entire Old Testament. And there's a lot of great players in the Old Testament. You know what I'm saying? There's some all-stars in the Old Testament. But, but, and, and Jesus draws the Old Testament to John's life. So John is the rapper the wrapper upper of the old testament he's the finisher he's the closer the whole thing and then so john knows who jesus is he has all this great wisdom great knowledge he tells his disciples look there's the lamb of god just by that statement he's he recognizes that the entire old testament system of sacrifices was pointing to one man he's the only one that figured that one out right it took the disciples a number of years to figure that one out and, and so John has great revelation. John has great intimacy with Jesus. And yet, as Jesus' ministry increases, John's ministry decreases. And John says, oh, that's part of the plan. The Lord's told me. 
He must increase. Jesus must increase. I must decrease. That's part of the plan. Great. Do you know what the Lord did not tell him? Who <laughs> was part of the plan? That as his ministry is decreasing, it would decrease so low. Uh, not only would he have to take a pay cut, he would get thrown into jail because Herod got mad at him. And he's in jail and he's about to be beheaded now. And I don't mean like a guillotine, I mean like with a saw. He's about to be beheaded. <laughs> yeah, okay, just got real. He's about to be beheaded and he's in jail and he starts, just like any one of us, starts having second thoughts. And in Matthew chapter 11, he sends a couple of guys to Jesus and says, wait a minute, are you the one or should we look for somebody else? The guy who said he was the one, the guy who, who baptized him as the one, the guy who sacrificed his entire life in order to present him as the one is now questioning when his neck is on the line is now questioning, are you the one? Why? Because his yoke is, is, is light but it's not always easy. It's sometimes hard. It's difficult to obey God. It's difficult to stay true to your faith. It's difficult, even though the benefits are there and even though the testimonies are here, but the truth is these guys are in the middle of a journey and we'll see them on the other side someday, hopefully in heaven, and we'll be able to talk about the rest of the journey. But I'm telling you, a lot of people get to the middle of the journey, but they don't finish the journey because it's difficult. And even John, the GOAT, the MVP, gets to the Super Bowl and finds out it's difficult. And he's got doubts. And he sends some of his guys to ask Jesus, so just checking. <laughs> Thought it'd be a good time to ask. Are you really the one or should we look for somebody else? And Jesus doesn't answer him. Instead, Jesus says, go tell John what you see, right? The sick are being healed, the dead are being raised, the gospel is being preached to the poor, and tell John, blessed is he who's not offended at me. What does it mean to be offended by him? It means that God did something I didn't agree with, and so I'm backing off now. And then he goes on, so the messengers go back to John, and then Jesus says, let me use this as a teaching example. Come to me, all those that are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Rest like what? Rest like John. In a jail, about to lose my head? Yeah. In incredible difficulty, but with absolute certainty. Come with me and, 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 and take, he says, take my yoke upon you. In other words, Jesus is, is talking about a type of bondage. A yoke, uh, I have a picture of it, just an oxen, sort of the little drawing here. This is what a yoke is. It's a, it's a bar, a wooden beam that then has these wooden um, loops that would hook around an animal with the purpose of bringing two animals together. Of bringing two animals in connection with each other. Why? Because two can pull more than one. Two can pull longer than one. And what Jesus is saying, he says, take my yoke. In other words, Jesus is in one side and he's offering this yoke for you to join in. And this, 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 this is the opposite of what Satan says. Satan says that freedom comes from removing all yokes and just wandering through the field however you like. But when you wander through the field however you like, you don't accomplish anything because you're not pulling anything. 
And so you feel that you don't have value because your value was in what you were born to do, which was create something, to pull something, to bring something into fruition that wasn't. And Jesus says, look, you're going to go through life and it's going to be difficult. But if you like, you can yoke up with me. So (laughs) when you yoked a, a weaker ox with a stronger ox, it made the weaker ox stronger. It didn't make the stronger ox weaker. So what happens is Jesus says, you can come next to me and I am all sufficient. I am all powerful. And when you yoke up with me, you get part of my strength. The weaker ox becomes strong. The doubting John becomes, becomes confident and faithful to the end, right? And so and, and the drug addict becomes, becomes the wisdom. The one full of bitterness becomes full of forgiveness. Why? Not because I taught you something in your mind, but because I walked with you through something in your life. So that when you're yoked up with Jesus, look at you, th- these guys never go anywhere alone. So being yoked up with Jesus means you never enter a room alone. You never enter a job interview alone. You never, <laughs> you never enter work by yourself. You never enter a program by yourself. When you're yoked up with Jesus, you step into every, every situation in your life with somebody else. <laughs> with the one who is above and below and beneath, the one who is greater than all things, the one who has overcome the world, the one who was, who is, and who is to come, the Almighty. You step in, and we've been seeing people at City Chapel step into all kinds of things, but they're not stepping into it by themselves. Whether it's stepping into apartment life ministry with Bailey and Ryan, or Baloo stepped out of her job last, uh, like nine months ago, and stepped into her own practice, but she didn't step into her own practice alone. And so you have somebody next to you. This is why it's so much lighter living with Christ. Because everywhere he asks you to go, he never asks you to go there by yourself. He walks right beside you. Not only that, but he pulls the greater weight. And you, you pull more than you could have pulled. You do more than you could have done. You're stronger than you could have been. You last longer than you could have lasted on your own because you're walking with Christ. But it is a yoke. Not a toe hook. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Stick your head here, and Jesus is here. It's kind of how that works. It's it's see, and 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 so many times I think we think of Christianity as the as the great toe hook. You know, Uh, like I'm my my life's broken down on the side of the road, and God's gonna come hitch me up to His V12 uh, Chevy 450 or whatever it is, I don't know, and like ratchet it up there and pull me on down and I'm going to stick it in neutral. I'm just going to let Jesus, Jesus is just leading, right? Um, That's not the way it goes. It's a yoke, which means it, it goes around your neck and it's around his neck, but he asks you to walk. That's why he says, learn from me. Not just put it in neutral and let me just take you wherever you want to go. Uh, there's a time for that. There's seasons, I think, that we don't have strength to walk and he carries us. But then he says, no, okay, now you're going to have to walk this one out. You're going to have to respond to that, that hurt from your past. You're going to have to deal with that crisis that happened to you. You're going to have to figure out how to handle money. You're going to have to figure out uh, how to handle relationships. You're going to have to like, walk this thing through. Not alone. But you will have to walk. And you'll have to walk yoked to somebody. Uh, there's, a, there's an old story in 1736, I think it was. Um, 
Pope, uh, was it Pope, uh, what's his name, Pope Alexander, the, the poet uh, sent, yeah, Al- Alexander Pope uh, had, had this dog who had a number of pups, and uh, he sent one of the pups to the Prince of Wales because it was during a time where he was trying to solidify power, see who's on his team, right, because uh, there was some political unrest, and so uh, he sent one of the dogs to the Prince of Wales with, a, with, a, with a, a, a dog chain around its neck that he had engraved this little this little rhyme that he made uh, and uh, they presented the dog to the Prince of Wales and, and on the dog's keychain it said um, uh, I am what, what does he say exactly he says I am his highness's dog at Q pray tell me sir whose dog are you <laughs> and, and, I, and I know 21st century American Satanists don't like that statement because it makes us feel like if I'm subservient to somebody, I'm not free. But actually, I think uh, Mr. Alexander is, is not only checking to see who's on his team, but he's also acknowledging a general rule of life. As Jesus said, you will serve one of two masters. The idea of coming out from under service is absolutely insane. I mean, the Amazon driver who dropped off your package today, he serves his, uh, his manager at the local plant. His manager at the local plant serves the manager who's over that particular Amazon plant, uh, who serves his district superintendent, who serves the board, who eventually serves Mr. Bezos, I think. And so we think, yeah, I need to get to Mr. Bezos's level. No, because Mr. Bezos serves the investors. Nobody just simply serves themselves. Or as Bob Dylan said, you're either going to serve God, or he say, you're going to serve the Lord or the devil, I think is what Bob Dylan's song said. You might, what is it? you might be an ambassador in England, you might be in France, you might dance, you might have a string of pearls, I forget, but you're going to serve God or you're going to serve the devil. And serving is not a bad thing. It doesn't mean lack of freedom. Uh, after service last week, uh, I, was, I was talking with somebody here, and we brought up, I brought up the example of uh, this person owns a dog. We also got a puppy recently. Uh, last year during COVID-19, uh, we actually have a picture of me and Madden driving home with our, with our puppy. Um, I don't know, after service one day, see, we got the mask up top there. Remember when we used to wear those? Um, and uh, we, we got... Uh, Back in the day, this is back in the day, and uh, we, but we drove up to like North Austin or whatever, and uh, we got this this puppy. And um, you think about it, you know, we 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 kidnapped that puppy from its home, and brought it home to our place. We didn't ask that puppy if it wanted to come with us. We didn't give it. So far, we haven't given it an option to leave. Um, I have suggested it, but my family is not for that idea. But. Um, we, uh, but if you were to do that to a human, that would be cruel. And people have done that in the past to humans, and that's cruel. But because we're doing it to an animal, we call it a pet. <laughs> be, why? Because animals were created for humans. Well, you were created for somebody too. You weren't created for a human. That's why for a human to kidnap you is cruel. But you were created for God. Uh, Revelation 4.11 says that we were created for his pleasure. For his pleasure. Now, what that means is the way you treat animals 
shows what you believe about a God would tr- how God would treat you. That's why Proverbs says that the tender mercy, that the, well, my, my parents used to quote to me when I forgot to feed my, my pet rabbit. They would quote Proverbs that says uh, that a, a righteous man takes care of his pets, but the tender mercies of a wicked, wicked man are cruel. Why? Because the way you treat the thing which was created for you tells us how you believe God will treat the thing which was created for him. And so a righteous man will take good care of his pets because he knows that, that this, this animal is not only coming to serve me, but it's coming for me to serve it. That it will find its greatest joy. He will find his greatest joy, I guess I should say, the, the right pronoun. And uh, he will find his greatest joy in being uh, in service to us. And so that he blesses, not me, but the rest of my family is blessed by him. I have to, have to be honest. We're in church, right? I don't care about the dog. Uh, but my parent, my, 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 my other, the other people that live in my world are all blessed by this little wet, slobbering, energetic dog. And this wet, slobbering, energetic is blessed by us. He's never been depressed the whole time he's been trapped in our house. <laughs> His tail's just going. He's happy. Why? In, in captivity? How? How could he be happy? He's only happy if he's out there. No, you know what, you know what dogs that, are, that don't have a home are called? Strays. And, and we live out in the country. People that have dogs that they don't like and they don't want to take care of, they drop them off on our road. And I come by them. And sometimes coming to church, I'll pull over and try to get a stray to jump in the truck because it's not safe and it's not good. And they, they look like they're emaciated because they're not eating. But they've learned to be afraid of the very one they were created for. And so they don't jump in the truck. <laughs> and so it's, it's kind of funny because on the way to church, I'll call out the strays and try to get them to jump in the truck. And then I come to church and I call out the strays and try to get them to jump into the truck. <laughs> And it's like, I don't, I'm telling you, if you will, like there's a, God has a whole bag of kibbles and bits for you. Like, you like, it's, it's <laughs> like, you'll never thirst again. You, yeah, I don't know how that works. You'll never be hungry again. You'll never thirst again. This is what Jesus means. He doesn't mean you won't go through hard times. He doesn't mean that you won't be a dog anymore. He doesn't mean you won't be subservient to somebody. He means that now within the house of the Lord, you will find rest. You will find a master who loves you, who will fulfill you, who will take you from, from, from being astray to having a home. And this is actually what the word yoke, when he says my yoke is easy, the word easy, literally, it doesn't mean easy like something that's easy to do. It means fitting. It means it will fit you. It's, it's made for you. His yoke is fitting. And this is the great lie of Satan that he told Eve, right? He said, hey, you know what? If you just reject God's authority, then you will be like God. You will be able to determine between good and evil. And it sounds great. I can be equal to God. I can decide what is right and wrong. But Satan conveniently left out the information that whenever you then get to decide what is right and wrong, now you have to decide what is right and wrong for every single area of your life. And the burden of being astray is heavy. I don't care what Lady and Tramp said. It's heavy. (laughs) It's difficult. It's difficult. So that's my, so that's my altar call to you today. (laughs) Whose dog are you? (laughs) 
What house are you living in? Who's... Whose name is on your collar? <laughs> what, when, when, and, and, and you say, I don't know. Well, this, this is how you can tell. Like, how are you being treated in that house? What gets your tail wagging? <laughs> when, because whoever your master is, when he comes home, that's when you'll get happy. And for those that are waiting, this is why scripture talks so much about those that are waiting with great expectancy of the coming of God, the coming of Jesus, because he's our master. And when he comes through the door, I'm thrilled. When I see him, I'm thrilled. When I hear him, I'm thrilled. And so this is, this is the invitation. You can come over. His, his, his house is open. You don't have to be astray. You don't have to be on your own. You have the peace that can come from being in fellowship with him. And so I want to offer that to you today. Would you just close your eyes with me for just a minute? And let's pray together as we're getting ready to close up. Lord, I thank you for these great testimonies of folks that have found their home in you. Um, but Lord, I know there are so many more that need to find their home in you. They've been on their own and they've bought the lie of the enemy that on their own is where freedom is. But no, that's where danger is. And that kind of freedom is an illusion because we become slaves. Jesus said, whoever sins is a slave to sin. So you're going to be serving God or you're going to be serving sin. And so I don't know if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and drawing you this morning.